0: Hola, and welcome to Spanish Answers, a podcast that gives you unas claves as you unlock your Spanish language adventure. I'm your host, Sarah, with Language Answers, and today in episode 91, we're continuing with our brief focus on verbs and prepositions. And you can see last week's episode 90, Verbs with Built-In Prepositions, if you want to go back and listen to that. Today, we'll talk about eight Spanish verbs and their related prepositions. The first five deal with verbs that use different prepositions than you would expect as a native English speaker. The next three deal with verbs that require prepositions in Spanish, but which don't require them in English. Plus, we'll finish up our cultural tip on Honduras with three fun and interesting traditions. Let's begin! Surprise! I made it! Okay, sure, not by Wednesday, but at least now the schedule should be fixed. So, let's start first with the verbs with different prepositions. Just as in English, these verbs use a preposition to follow after them for specific connotations. Yet the preposition you use in Spanish is different than the one you use in English. It's just a slightly different understanding of the concept, which is cool. So the first is pensar en to think about. Instead of using about or sobre, you generally use en or in, on. I like this, as it makes it sound a bit more meditative. Pienso en algo. I think on something. So here are some examples. Has pensado en la propuesta? Have you thought about the proposal? Pienso en mis hijos todo el tiempo. Pienso en mis hijos todo el tiempo. I think about my kids all the time. There's also a cool way to say daydreaming with this verb plus preposition combo, which is pensar en las musarañas. Pensar en las musarañas. Number two, parecerse, to look like, resemble. Not just because of the personal a, this verb uses a instead of the English preposition like in to look like. So example, te pareces a tu mamá. You look like your mom. Te pareces a tu mamá. Se parece a Brad Pitt. He looks like Brad Pitt. Se parece a Brad Pitt. Está empezando a parecerse a la Navidad. It's beginning to look like Christmas. Está empezando a parecerse a la Navidad. It's beginning to look like Christmas. You could also use parecer que to look like to indicate. As in, parece que no podremos ir a Oklahoma. It looks like we won't be able to go to Oklahoma. There's number three, tratar de, to try to do something. Tratar de. So in English, if we are trying to do something, we use the preposition to. But if we are trying to do something in Spanish, we use the preposition de, which means of or from. So, some examples. Él trata de ser mejor. He tries to be better. Él trata de ser mejor. Ella está tratando de aprender corno francés. She is trying to learn French horn. Ella está tratando de aprender corno francés. She is trying to learn French horn. Tratamos de comer jamón verde. Fue una mala idea. We tried eating green ham. It was a bad idea. Tratamos de comer jamón verde. Fue una mala idea. Number four, oler a to smell like or of. In English, you would use the preposition like or of to express that something smells like something else. But in Spanish, they use a or to. Examples. Huele a aguas residuales. He smells like a sewer. Huele a aguas residuales. Mi baño huele a pétalos de rosa. My bathroom smells like rose petals. Mi baño huele a pétalos de rosa. Number five. Soñar con, to dream about or of. While we would say, I dream about doing something, or I dream of something, in Spanish, they use the preposition con, or with. So, sueño con algo is like you are saying, I dream with something, which somehow sounds more poetic, even though it doesn't make sense in my native English-speaking brain. Examples. Sueño con ser médico. I dream about becoming a doctor. Sueño con ser médico. Sueña con algún día tener su propia tienda. She dreams of one day owning her own store. Sueña con algún día tener su propia tienda. Alright, let's talk about verbs that require prepositions in Spanish, but which don't in English. And sometimes it is just a nuanced thing. So the first is casarse con, to marry someone. If you're going to say he is getting married, se va a casar, then you wouldn't need to use the preposition con or with. But if you are saying something more specific, like he is marrying Sally, then you would need to use it. Se va a casar con Sally. So some examples. Me casé con mi mejor amigo. I married my best friend. Truth. Me casé con mi mejor amigo. Ella se casará con él. She will marry him. Ella se casará con él. Number two is confiar en, or to trust. Last time I remember hearing someone say trust in me in English using that in preposition was the song trust in me from the Jungle Book. But outside of that, we don't say trust in me. We just say trust me. But in Spanish, they still have this format. Confía en mí." So some examples. Confías en ella? Do you trust her? Confías en ella? Confió en la persona equivocada. He trusted the wrong person. Confió en la persona equivocada. Number three, our final one, dejar de, to stop doing something. We don't use a preposition in the phrase, stop doing something. But in Spanish, they use de, or of, or from. So it's like they're saying, stop from doing something. It sounds a bit more convoluted than in English, but it is how the phrase is used. So some examples, deja de hacer eso, stop doing that. Deja de hacer eso. Paul dejó de correr todos los días. Paul stopped running every day. Paul dejó de correr todos los días. Marie me pidió que dejara de llamarla. Mary asked me to stop calling her. Marie me pidió que dejara de llamarla. Now, just as a side note, Spanish Academy has a great article delving into the different ways to use dejar, as well as a brief explanation on the differences between dejar and parar. If you are using dejar plus de, it basically means the same thing as parar plus de. And, of course, I will include that link in the show notes. That wraps up our brief stint in preposition land. So let's go on to our cultural tip. So this is our final part of our cultural dive into Honduras. And it took a few unexpected turns while I was researching it. So, here are three very interesting and unique cultural traditions and aspects of Honduras. The first is La Lluvia de Peces in Yoro, Honduras. Every year, generally in May or June, something fantastical happens in the farming town of Yoro. Some claim it is an as of yet unexplained phenomenon with an unknown scientific reason behind it, but many claim it is a miracle and a blessing from God. What is it? La lluvia de peces, or the rain of fish, or even fish rain. That's right, fish rain. It happens at least once a year, but often more than that. It begins with a fierce thunderstorm that is so powerful no one dares leave their homes during it. And once the storm has passed, the villagers head out to a specific place to pick up hundreds of small silver fish that just miraculously appear on the ground. It's a communal activity with people sharing the blessing and it's forbidden to sell the fish and this miracle has been happening for generations with the lluvia de peces always happening in the area of Yoro although it does seem to move around in the area of Yoro so it's spent the past decade i think appearing in La Union area of Yoro unless of course it's changed since that the articles i was reading were last updated Anyways, there are, of course, scientific attempts to explain it, but no one is quite certain, as far as I can tell, what actually causes it. The two theories I have seen involve either the fish being forced out of a subterranean water source due to the storms, or they're deposited from water spouts from the Atlantic Ocean. But the locals claim it is a miracle granted to them because of Manuel de Jesus Subirana, who is a Catholic priest and missionary in the mid-1800s, who was moved by the abject poverty of the people in Yoro. He prayed to God for three days and three nights to help with their hunger and poverty, which resulted in God answering with la lluvia de peces. I couldn't believe it at first when I found this story, but I absolutely love it. And I, personally, am behind the miracle theory. So cool. Now, if you'd like to learn more about this phenomenon, I have included links in the show notes to various articles and some Spanish news YouTube clips about the subject. Number two, the Garifuna people. I had never heard of this tribe before I began researching Honduras, and they are a fascinating people. Back in 1635 AD, a slave ship was shipwrecked off the island of St. Vincent. The African survivors made it to the island and intermingled with the inhabitants, the Arawak and Carib Indians, resulting in the Garifuna. Now, when the British then defeated the French for control of St. Vincent in 1796, they fought with the Garifuna for control of the island and eventually expelled them to Punta Gorda, Roetan, a Bay Island off of the coast of Honduras in 1797. At this time, the British were fighting with the Spanish over the Bay Islands, and so the Spanish helped the Garifuna relocate to the Honduran coast. They moved throughout Central America and have communities today in Guatemala, Belize, Nicaragua, and, of course, Honduras. There are also many Garifuna in the USA. I found a really interesting documentary on the Garifuna on YouTube. Just be warned, there is one scene with one bad word near the end, but it's still definitely worth a look. You can see the current situation of the Garifuna in Honduras, as well as get many Garifuna perspectives on their culture and modern predicament. There's even a festival held every year on the island of Roatan to celebrate their culture and to remember their history. Number three, foods. I think it is safe to say that each cultural tip on a country's traditions will now include something regarding their food. So here are a few popular Honduran dishes with recipe links included in case you would like to try to make them yourself. The first is plato típico, and this complicated dish has a bit of everything. It has fried, fried plantain, stewed beans, chismol, which is a spiced vegetable mix, rice, and grilled meat and pork sausages. It looks really tasty, but also like it might require juggling a few things to get it all made. There's tapado de pescado, which is a Spanish recipe, so it's all in Spanish, and this is a creamy coconut milk fish and vegetable soup. Then there's pan de coco, and I've included both a Spanish and English version in the link, and this bread looks awesome and fairly straightforward. In other words, it is on my radar to bake in the next couple of weeks, I hope. They are yeasted dairy-free rolls made made with coconut milk, stuffed with sugar, and sometimes also more coconut. And last, but certainly not least, are baleadas. And this recipe looks super easy and like you would make a tasty breakfast, so it is also on my radar. Basically, it is a flour tortilla stuffed with fried beans, sometimes other items as well, like cheese or eggs, and served with sour cream or hot sauce. Some say that it's called a baleada because the beans look very similar to bullets, or balas. Others, that a woman was shot several times, recovered, and went back to making hor tortillas. So if you are going to buy them from her, you would say you were going to the baleada, or the shot woman. Who knows? And if you try making any of these, please let me know how they turned out. And that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to check out the show notes for links to the resources used for this episode. If you prefer to read an approximate transcription of today's episode, you can also visit the blog, and I would love to help you on your Spanish journey, so if you have any questions about today's episode, or even just on Spanish culture or grammar, you can reach me at contact at languageanswers.com or visit my website for more information. I can also be contacted regarding my services for Spanish to English translation, English technical writing, editing and content creation, or even language consultation and tutoring for you or your business. Remember, learning a language is a lifelong journey. So please, aprovechalo, disfrútalo y compártelo. See you in two weeks! Hasta luego!